Howdy, y'all. Welcome to Components Live. I'm Ren, product marketer at Hereto and your podcast MC. I'm Patrick, CEO here at Hereto. And I'm Jared, lead solutions consultant. Thanks for joining us on our weekly conversation about componentized and structured content. Hope you enjoy this 15 or so minutes of fun talking about everything from data to innovations in AI. Glad you're catching our live show after it was live and is now a podcast. If you want to join the live show, we stream every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern on LinkedIn and YouTube, but you can always find the recording on your favorite podcast app. All right, let's get into it. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Components Live. This is our third episode now. Um, and today we actually have a really special guest. So I'd be really surprised if there was anyone uh -huh. watching who didn't know who Scott Abel was. Um, but just in case, Scott, will you introduce yourself for us? Yeah. Hey, everybody. My name is Scott Abel. I serve as a content strategy evangelist for Hereto. And I have a company called The Content Wrangler that you may have bumped into, especially if you're in the world of technical documentation. I host conferences and uh, write books and uh, help people connect content to customers. And I've been doing it for about 20 years now. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us today. Patrick is out. He is on his way to Dita Europe, if I'm correct. Um, right. And he'll be hanging out over overseas for a little while. Um, so we get to hang out with Scott. But I think Jared actually has um, our, our starting topic today. So I'll let him take over. I do. So in our, I, I, we were supposed to, again, the theme is choose an article. Um, I read the term article liberally to mean not just news article, but any article that I can find. And so I use this um, interesting tool. Uh, it's called elicit.org, E-L, not I-L-L, E-L uh, e is important, uh, different spelling. And it's a, it's a research AI assistant. So I was like, yeah, you know, I've, I've used it a little bit for my own research. And then I was like, I'm going to put in something about technical communication. I've never tried. I've never looked up any journal articles on technical communication. So I thumbed through a few and I found one with an interesting title and interesting abstract. Um, it's called technical communication is a social medium. Um, and I am blanking on the author's name. I'm trying to look and see if it's on my screen. It's not right now, but we can, um, we will pre we can provide details in LinkedIn for the article. Um, basically, technical communication is a social medium. I'm not going to give a full summary of the article. It's got way more in it than um, I could I could summarize in a few minutes. Um, but there, basically, the idea is that um, technical communication in the article isn't the same thing that we typically talk about when we talk about technical communication. Um, he's talking about technical communication, like the actual act of doing that in a social setting. So communicating technically about something, which is cool. Um, but all of this article, I think I'm going to, I'm going to make some own, my own conclusions here. Um, I think uh, there is an assumption here that there is technical information provided about products that people can talk about. Um, so what I found, I think to be most interesting about this is that his argument is roughly along the lines of like, when you put people in a group here, and they start to identify together as a group of people who use a particular product and they communicate about it technically that um, it builds community with them and it can also drive product direction and it can drive um, trust in one another and in the product itself and that they can the users can become direct contributors to product direction which i think is really cool um again the assumption is that technical communicators in our world have the ability to 
to influence what those people are talking about. So I want to read two quotes and then yeah, Scott, please. get your thoughts. Here are two quotes from the end. So um, these conversational moments underscore how sharing technical information can become the basis of so social exchange. It helps people connect with and understand each other across contexts of practice. Consequently, the tool discussed can become more infused with negotiated experience that either ends up as part of the changed code base or becomes better framed by the shared understanding of how the software works. So that's that's one. That's we can we can chat about that in a minute. Here's the other one that I actually really like. Technical communicators, again, in this context, anybody talking about it with the assumption that we can contribute to this. Technical communicators can recognize when participants are identifying and negotiating frames of experience and help nudge the conversation by connecting other relevant professional, technical, and social experiences. From this position, a professional technical communicator could recognize the potential for shaping the conversation to make shifts in footing more likely. By viewing forum contributions as negotiations of frames and footings, he makes the case for the role that the technical communicators to participate in those conversations. I think um, write the docs is a good example of this. One good example of this, but you're, I think you see this in community forums. Like we have a community forum. Um, I think that's where our tech writers can really help influence that conversation by helping frame what our users are experiencing. Anyway, I'll pause now. That's interesting. I think that, I think that that's a natural evolution, right? Of where things are going, right? We always had community, yeah. we just didn't have them online. Now we have online communities, but there's also this concept of documentation as a community, right? Yeah. Like where you build it online and you let people uh, discuss it and talk about it, like it, dislike it, whatever, yep. participate, right? Engage with right. it. And then um, the benefit, of course, to the organization that provides that information and that platform is they can listen in and they can learn, yeah. which I think the researchers pointed out that, that that can help the product development cycle. And I would also imagine that it does establish a sense of camaraderie around people who have something in common uh, uh, and more so than just their profession of being human, but also they use this tool yeah. and they have the same problem with the tool and they're trying to figure out how to solve it. And I, I would imagine if they solve it together online that then they end up having kind of like digital friends that are related only yeah. specifically to that one thing. And that's gotta be something that researchers are interested in studying. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, he draws this out. He makes this other point in there, too, about when we're building software to applications, we have certain sets of assumptions when we start building these about what the users want. And but yeah. we have a limited range of experiences with users in a lot of cases. And so these things become very, very these tools, these communities become very, very helpful in pointing out where our assumptions maybe were misguided how we need to redirect, how we make need to make product changes to meet the actual needs of people that are out there. So, I mean, we talk about this all the time internally, you know, like what are the needs of the customer? Yeah, and it's hard to know, right? We, we, mm -hmm. we have to guess what we think they might want and then we have to watch them and go, oh yeah, they apparently don't want that. <laughs> he might yeah. want something else. So even yeah. community is an experiment, right? It's kind of a yeah. guessing game until you learn more and have data and you can see the patterns and the behaviors. This is super interesting, yeah. though, that the, that writer or those academics took that approach. I found yeah. recently another database that I wanted to mention to people that they might be able to use that uses a chat GPT like uh, interface. In fact, you can actually um, add this as a widget. The company is called Consensus, spelled okay. C-O-N-S-E-S, sorry, <laughs> C-O-N-S-E-N-S-U-S, Consensus. And it's Consensus okay. AI. 
uh, and you can ask questions of research repository and it will oh, go cool. back and find the, uh, the, the, the posts that are most relevant to your query. And then you can push yep. a button called synthesize and it will take like, let's say it found three articles on, I don't know, technical documentation and data, and it will yeah. try to parse what the differences are between those three and give you kind of a summary to help you understand what's in this found set of content that you have. And if you know anything about yeah. um, medical or academic articles, they can be lengthy and yeah. sometimes girthy, right? Lights up big words and big, you have to think to process yeah. a lot of this stuff. It's not an easy read sometimes. So having that access is certainly good. Jared, is your um, tradition that you reach back into your education roots to get into those databases? Because I was, a, you know, I had yeah. a library science access uh, for years, even after I was out of the university. And that was the only way I knew how to get to those kind of pieces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right now, right now using um, illicit.org was the first time I had really tried it for something non-philosophy. Because mm -hmm. I, I know where to go to look up philosophy articles and journal yeah. articles that I want to look for. This was the first time I had used it, not knowing where these articles were coming from. And immediately, you know, it gives me the abstract. And if I want to read the article, then I have to go through the university website, go through the paywall to get right. to the actual article itself, um, which some of them I didn't have access to. I found a couple other articles I really wanted to read and I didn't have access to them. Yeah, it's it. I had to create like a two pronged approach. The first approach was, do I have legitimate access to this through the service that hosts the, the research? Yeah. And so for the viewers that are watching, there's a lot of research services and they act as brokers for this academic uh, research and they take a piece of the, the fee for the article as their cut. Yeah. And, and we're supposed to pay for that. But a lot of times you can find the same research, not always, but a lot of times. Um, if you just keyword search the web and for the exact name of the paper in quotation marks, and you might be able to find that the professor posted it someplace in a blog yeah. or on a wiki, and you can get quick access to it if you needed it. But I, I yeah. do feel like this is a good thing because it allows industry to be closer to academia. And that's something that academia has wanted to do for a long time, but there's just so many roadblocks in the way. Do you feel like that, Jared? Because you're connected yeah, to academia as well. I am. And I, I mean, I, th I think, uh, frankly, I wish there was more overlap between, I wish there were more people in industry working directly with academics and vice versa, and specifically academics working with people in industry. I mean, it's, yeah. um, it, philosophy is always an ivory tower, you know, it's just by nature, kind of like what it is. But I was, I was talking to a friend of mine today. He is a, he's a professor. Um, people make fun of me when I call him a professional philosopher, but like, what well, that's what he does. Like, yeah, of course. Um, and and he was telling me that like you know academia is difficult um just as a career path and he was like you know what are your thoughts on on other avenues and i was like man you're a philosopher and you've spent time in logic like yeah. you really like knowledge graphs and ai tools would check all the boxes for you for research for you know conceptually yeah. difficult things and like there's so much overlap between those there's no reason that academia and um, the academic community and the business community can't overlap in lots of ways and really work together. Yeah, we hosted a show, in fact, a couple of weeks ago on the Content Wrangler webinar series that Hereto sponsors, uh, which focused on bringing together a practitioner who's well-known, Val Swisher, who runs a company yep. called Content Rules. She's been around for a long time helping people with their content challenges. And she partnered with a professor, uh, I want to say at the University of Texas, um, named um, Kim Campbell, 
uh, who's a, a professor there, who, who wanted to figure out how do we get closer to business so that she could provide better experiences that will be most closely representative of real world experiences to the students that she's teaching. And she, she like many academics, uh, struggles with how do I bridge that gap, right? Where we yep. teach what we need to teach, but then we also need to give them practical applicable skills. And, and one of the things that they were trying to study was the maturity level of organizations. Are you mature enough to do all these things that consultants say that you should be able to do? And if so, yeah. how does that maturity relate to your ability to develop a content strategy and apply it? It was some interesting you know, yeah. research and to watch the two of them uh, banter with each other and bounce <laughs> off each other was super cool because the academic yeah. was not constrained by academia. Uh, yeah. She wanted to know, you know, the real world situation with these companies. And so they studied a group of companies, not companies that either one of them had worked with. They were companies they had, uh, the academics had reached out to and said, would you participate in our research? Um, we realize it'll take a little time and you'll have to pay your people to, you know, yeah. share research yeah. with us instead of work for a little while. But in the end, you're going to get some knowledge. And they did share that knowledge with the companies that they studied and apparently they they found it to be valuable so i think this is a good cross-pollination of our industry with yeah academia. yeah i i mean i certainly think that like our industry really lends itself to working with academics in a lot of ways it, it really does it, it and it helps me i mean as a professional consultant and somebody who's asked opinions a lot i've been finding that th these academic um papers are loaded with i guess you would call it science informed or evidence informed mm -hmm. Um, decision making, um, you know, tools. Yeah. You, you can start to, for example, I learned first about the fact that people don't read, right? That they, <laughs> sk that they skim. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute. And, you know, then I have to go around and tell writers, this is a thing. Like, it's a science yeah. thing. It's not Scott. It's not a Scott thing. People don't actually yeah. read, they scan. And, and without those journal articles, we wouldn't have known the depth of how much research has been done around this area. So we can yeah. make smarter decisions about writing content instead of worrying about telling everything in our story, which we yeah. now know people don't read. And, and so I think that's where you, um, where the cross-pollination really needs to happen. Cause you were just like, I wasn't aware of how much research has actually happened. Yeah, I had no idea. And, right. And like, when you're on the research side of it, you don't, you're like, oh, hey guys, we've been talking about that for 10 years already. Like we've been researching it for 10 years, yeah. but there isn't enough cross-pollination in a lot of cases. Um, can I throw something if, out just for the people yeah. who are watching who might say, wait a minute, wait a minute, the Society for Technical Communication has had an academic <laughs> peer-reviewed journal yeah, for yeah, centuries, yeah. or maybe yeah. not centuries, but decades at least. And that is very much true, but it was also um, very difficult to get at that content um, for many people, and they complained that um, the magazine Intercom, which is more friendly, kind of um, more populist kind of writing, you know, it's not less academia, um, that was... That was a problem, right? We, we couldn't yeah. get the academic language to be friendly enough to make people want to read it. And so yeah. I think having these interfaces that can reach in and get the content and extract the value is enough to tempt us to start to read the whole paper and yeah, hope yeah. that people yeah. start to do that. Yeah. I'm going to try that. Uh, I'm going to try that tool that you mentioned, Consensus. Consensus. Yeah. And there's a widget with the chat GPT that you can install the way that you um, do with the uh, open AI tools. And it works really well. It's really, really um, nice. You still have the constraints that some of the content is gated, but you can yeah, yeah. quickly uh, learn how to you know get around that. I'm going to try it right now. Yeah. I think you should. <laughs>
Awesome. Yeah. And we will link um, as much as we can. Obviously, we won't be able to link a lot of the articles that we discussed because they're probably gated. Um, but we will link all of the um, tools and what we can. Uh, definitely that webinar with Val um, and Kim. Awesome. And uh, all that will be in the comments of this video on LinkedIn. So uh, awesome. we, at, we are at our time today. Y'all did amazing. That was like such a cool conversation. So thank <laughs> you so much for both coming prepared. Um, and we will uh, hopefully see Scott again in the future. Um, but if not, it was great having you today. Um, Thanks, and you can you. always catch Scott on the Content Wrangler. So keep an eye out um, on that Perfect. channel. Yeah, you sure. can check the contentwrangler.com or you can even go to brighttalk.com and search for the content wrangler where there's almost 700 one hour webinars available for you to watch i'm sure no one has that much time but should you you've got something to do <laughs> yeah <laughs> awesome thanks y'all have a wonderful thanks, weekend thanks, bye, everybody. bye.